Hi, welcome back to Two Bar Stools and a Knife. Our first podcast is talking about the ins and outs of the hospitality industry and a little bit about us. This podcast switching gears a little bit. We've been talking with some wine people, some spirits people. Today we've got a great guest. We've got Chef Alan Susser on today. Yay! Um, Yay! He is the mango king, the food king. He is awesome. And he's a great graduate from FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality. So we're going to get to him in a few seconds. Let's uh, talk to Brian. So Brian, what's going on with Bacardi Peach and all the... Oh, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Chef. All right. Yeah, we're, we got a really exciting week coming up. We've been working incredibly hard. You brought up Bacardi Teach. Chef Allen doesn't even know about this one yet. So we're launching uh, part of our hospitality relief effort, our first phase, uh, as we're calling uh, 1.0 of Bacardi Teach, which is an on-demand online learning platform for beverage professionals and for the hospitality industry. We'll be launching modules this Friday, beginning this Friday, that again will all be 100% free, uh, that do have certifications and badging at the end. So it's been a big, big project that we've done incredibly fast. So for all the team that's helped out with that, including the Bacardi brand ambassadors, Team Enterprise, the FIU team, it's been uh, great. And this is just the beginning because as the Dean Chang and I were talking this morning, this is just the beginning as we build uh, content and create something really special for people that are in need. And then obviously for people that just want to grow internally. So look forward to Bacardi Teach uh, happening this Friday, the 5th. Keep an eye out for that. And there'll be press releases put out. I saw some really cool badging that our, our producer, Christina, put out yep. getting ready for this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to get some badges for myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, and let me tell Chef Allen too. So after you complete the rum module, that's a five minute and a 15 minute module. And we have these broken downs. So you'll receive what's called the Bacardi Teach Excellence Badge on rum. And then we have one on gin. And then we have one on tequila. And as we progress, we'll get a little bit more into the operational sides on mixology, bartending, bar management, and so forth. So the, a great year. Very yeah, nice. Thank you very much. You know, and it's been again a lot of work, but uh, we're going to make it happen, particularly for our, our friends in need in the industry right now, which we'll yeah. talk about a little bit more. And then, lastly, uh, before I throw it over to Chef Massey, there is the Bacardi Center of Excellence. Nathan Dodge is nice enough to fill me in on some of the class updates. We are roaring into the 20s, which is good. And remember, uh, sign up early so we can kind of schedule our guest speakers, our product that we need to bring in from Bacardi, as well as our brand ambassadors, global brand ambassadors, so we know what's going on with that. So please talk to your advisors, for those of you that are listening from the FIU committee. And of course, if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to myself, Christina, or Professor Dodge with any direct questions. That's in a nutshell. How was that, guys? All right? It was excellent. I want to uh, hit a couple of Bacardi Teach is going to be open to everybody. You do not need to be an FIU person. So I know that this will be going out on to – it goes out to the world. Anyone can can listen 
to this podcast. So if you are anywhere in the world, in the United States, it doesn't matter if you want to jump onto this, make sure you go to what is the website, Brian? What will be the website? Absolutely. It's bacarditeach.fiu.edu. And again, you'll be able to search Google search and there'll be links also to the Bacardi Center of Excellence webpage. Oh, and by the way, that's also going to be launching hopefully this week. We've got our, our final draft. So it's been a busy few weeks, guys. It's been a busy few weeks. It's the first week of class for summer semester. So we're oh, all timing is everything. Huh? Timing. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. We are ready to get started. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am squared away for my class, the restaurant management class that I am set up for the, over the summer. We only have six sessions, so it's going to be so condensed and so concentrated. I actually am excited because I have each class, I'm trying to get a guest speaker. And the first guest speaker that I have is a chef owner of a couple restaurants up in New York City, Jahangir Mehta. Are you guys familiar with Jahangir? No. Graffiti, Graffiti Earth. Uh, uh, Chef, are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's awesome. Cool restaurants. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just so awesome, and, and so I'm really looking forward to you know changing things up with that. I've been cooking a lot too, guys. Have you been doing more cooking over uh, this little break? Maybe, uh, maybe a lot more cooking at home. <laughs> I don't know exactly, you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Feeding definitely well, a few less mouths, but uh, you know what? It's hard enough feeding the same the same mouths keeping it interesting, keeping it exciting, and keeping it healthy. So it's, it's right. more of a challenge sometimes. Well, well, we are so excited to have you with us. Let me give Chef Alan Susser a proper introduction. You know, uh, Nathan mentioned first and foremost, he's an FIU alumni. And hey. Hey, <laughs> a, a restaurateur cookbook author, TV personality, a little bit of everything in, in the food world and uh, part of the original Mango Gang, which basically set the trend and tone for Florida, South Florida cuisine and getting us kind of on the national roadmap for being a center of really good, excellent food with Caribbean, Latin and local influences. And so uh, please Join me, uh, guys, and welcome to Chef Allen. Thank you. you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Good morning, Chef. Good morning, Chef. Good morning, Chef. So did I touch on every part of your background? I know you, you know what? I didn't touch on the the really cool project that you've been doing down in St. Lucia with the chocolate. I didn't mention that, but share a little bit more about your background. I I know. I I, I can talk about it. Uh, Yeah. it's, It's very apropos, you know, uh, it's a bean to bar resort, but it's actually a resort that's fabulous. It's a 650-acre property right on the Caribbean in St. Lucia with a 30-room boutique hotel, the Jade Mountain, it's called. And Jade Mountain, with the, the hotel, every room is a sanctuary. So each room has a infinity pool, has open architecture, every. Every room looks directly out into the Caribbean at the Piton Mountains, which is a World Heritage Site. And also we have a 30-acre organic farm. So the, the farm part of the project is all of the restaurants get their produce from the farm, herbs, spices, vegetables, greens, 
microgreens, tropical fruits, citrus, and cacao for chocolate. And so that uh, that's how we have about uh, 1,500 cacao trees. So we actually have a harvest twice a year. And with the, the, the chocolate, uh, we, you know, chocolate is kind of like winemaking, you know, mm, and, uh, yeah, kind yeah. of like, you know, really hands-on. It's when you pick the, the beans, the ripeness of the beans, then you have to ferment it. And as a chocolatier, you actually control how long that you're fermented and the time and temperature you have for fermenting, which is about seven days. Then after that, there's the, you, you actually sun dry it. And so sun drying again is part of the, the, the technique. And then you get to the, the real flavor impact comes from the roast, the type of roast. So just like, uh, you know, a winemaker, you sort of get to see how you want to put it, how long in the barrel, what you want to do to it. And so that it really brings a, a lot of emphasis and flavor notes and fruity notes to the chocolate as you, you roast it and then grind it. Uh, and we stone grind them and uh, we make chocolate. We have no, uh, no extra additives. It's only cane sugar and the cacao. So it's a wonderful uh, chocolate, yeah. delicious. And we invite people to come and do bean and bar tours and pick uh, cacao and then come back to the lab and learn how to make chocolate. And that's the least of the things that you do there. <laughs> yeah, I would think, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we've actually had five little boutique restaurants ranging from Caribbean uh, seafood restaurant onto a East Indian meets West Indian uh, fusion restaurant. And then a couple on the, the beach as well. So we, we really focus on seasonality and we focus on hospitality. So that's kind of how that uh, comes together. And it's, it's an excellent uh, resort. And quite honestly, right now we're closed still for the next uh, few weeks. But to ride out this storm, these are all sanctuaries. And so that social distancing, all you get is you have two people to a room. Your butler comes in. One butler serves you for the whole time you stay there. And if you want to stay in your, your room, which is open air with your infinity pool and, and all the services, you can do that. Or you go down to the beach and the butler gets you down there and just kind of really high end taking care of the guest. So we love it. And well, it's well, we're, we're, amazing. You <laughs> we're ready to do the podcast from there. Well, <laughs> I, I think, say, I think let's we, just go we down there and do it. It sounds like that. We need to do some remote yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right. Take this. Are. I you know, take a show know, on the road, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or one of these guys. <laughs> yeah. We got to work on an FIU uh, alumni or faculty discount. Uh, that would be great. Well, I know my colleague, Brian, always talks. Whenever we do lectures, or something, we've done some guest lectures and stuff, we talk about experiences and creating new experiences and making sure that your experience that you're delivering is unique. And that sounds like just the most incredible experience that you can offer at a hotel where you're actually making chocolate and doing things like you had mentioned with the Butler service and that too. So I, I yeah. love the idea of the bean to bar because of course my head automatically went a beverage bar, but I know he's talking about a chocolate <laughs> bar, but I mean, you, yeah. could do, you could do great pairings. Uh, obviously we all know the, you know, great pairings with wine, with chocolate, but also uh, cocktails, because yeah. the use of chocolate and cocktails is also coming up in a big way uh, in the cocktail revolution. So, Nathan, there's some inspiration for you for later on this week for your posting of uh, chocolate-infused, chocolate-inspired cocktails. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the unique thing, when you're actually grinding 
at roasting and grinding your own chocolate, you can take 100% cacao bean and utilize that to infuse into like a liqueur without adding any sweetness. So we do that, actually. We do that for our chocolate martinis. We use the, the wow. cacao and vodka and just let that macerate for about four or five days. And then we use that infused flavored vodka for making our chocolate martinis, which is really awesome without adding the chocolatey sweetness that you have the, the flavor notes, the tropical notes. The, it's just really a, essentially a, a, a martini with honest chocolate flavors in it. Although we do do a chocolate martini with, you know, with coconut milk and, uh, and rum mm. and kind of, you know, what you, you would expect to have a sweet kind of a chocolatey, delicious uh, cocktail as well. So we actually have uh, some runes from the 17th century mm where they had a sugar plantation. And we actually do a rum tasting out there. We do a rum tasting with uh, different rums from around the Caribbean, learning about the different styles of rum that, you know, that use cane or molasses or sugar for its processing and the different processes. So kind of we're, we're definitely into that experiential thing because I think that's when people remember and actually have a great time. It's, you know, it's not just being there, but being there and experiencing it. And actually, when you're, you're tasting something, you're using all five senses. And that's so important in our business and hospitality to really be inclusive and get as much of that memory mind going and not just something that you see on TV or a video, but kind of interacting and making experiential uh, with all five senses, so it really makes yeah. it makes a big difference. We we have been uh, really focused on on that, and so that's that's key. I know one of the challenges that students are are, are communicating with all of us as faculty, and 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 that is they see some of the the challenges that COVID nineteen is presenting with layoffs of of some of their staff. I mean, we are being challenged as an industry more than anything else, and. We're trying to make sure that, that students have an optimistic attitude that we are preparing them to be part of this comeback as we come back out of this. What can you share with students that, 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 you, that you'd give them as advice that will, will help them think positively and move forward from where we are right now into, into the next uh, step of getting our industry back to where it was well i think first off you have to be optimistic you have to be an optimist to be in this business and also you have to love being with people and serving people whether it's from a little bit of an extra distance it's understandable but but you have to have the resilience to understand that we are coming back it may take more than a couple of days a couple of weeks a couple of months but we are coming back and the, the point with coming back is, guess what? Everybody needs to eat at least three times a day, okay? Mm. We, you can't take that away from us. And yes. we are the industry. I feel like you were looking at me when you said at least three times a day. Were you calling me fat? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, he was, Nathan. Uh, well, he said at see, least that he was staring into my soul. The, the five to ten time a day feeding routine, you know. Sometimes You're our favorite customer. <laughs> Some can't Chefs get the away from the horse, you know. <laughs> but that resilience to understand yeah, yeah. that, you know, that, yes, there is always going to be a job for us. 
there's always going to, because someone has, you can't just go out in the field. A few of you can, you know, you can pick a mango off a tree right now and eat it and have a great time, sit down under the tree in the shade and enjoy mango. But past that, you know, the, the, you can't go out to the fields and pick anything you want. So we ha- it has to be processed. It has to be processed and it has to be processed into something that people want to eat on a regular basis. And so that, that's where we're coming in. And also our opportunities. There's going to be completely different new opportunities that we don't even know yet. And that's really the exciting part of this moment. You know, this is a, a new generation of restaurateur, a new generation of chef, new generation of bartender that is going to happen post this happening. You know, it's like if you look back, the, the Depression was a moment in time that everyone holds like deer and fears. And you've got World War II, also another moment in time. And we came back after the Depression, we came back after World War II, we came back after the divisiveness of the Vietnam War. And so, again, we do survive, we do go forward. And there's new rules, and the more creative are going to be the more successful. I think that we haven't even seen any of the creativity in going into restaurants yet. We're just in a simple survival mode. But now's the time to kind of open your mind and think about how you can serve your community, how you can help the community, because that's still what restaurant touring is about, is being involved in the community, being connected to community, getting people to know you and know who you are and know that you're active and want to help because they want to be with you. They want to be with people who are exciting. They want to be with people who are doing things and making a difference. And that sort of culinary leadership and that kind of community leadership will lead to great hospitality leadership, which again is going to be a, a fabulous thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you speak to an important point and it kind of touches a little bit on your on your book you talk about engagement and engagement making sure that we're giving back and being involved in the community and i think that's a a great segue i think nathan had a question though well actually talking about him giving back to the community and some of the things that he's doing um chef allen you've got a new cookbook green fig and lionfish sustainable caribbean now this is definitely jumping outside the box doing something a little different People a few years ago weren't thinking about eating lionfish. They were just saw it as the scourge of the uh, the Caribbean and the uh, the reefs. So, I, you know, I'm a, a scuba diver. Brian likes to be on the water. I like to be in the water. So I see firsthand all of these lionfish and the destruction that they're doing to our reefs. So I am thrilled that you put out the cookbook of really what to do with these animals. So that's right. great stuff. Well, the, the greenfish, uh, you know, kind of serves a couple purposes. One is the very specific, direct, how do you cook a lionfish? You know, and how do you cook a, a delicious fish and in a variety of ways, seasonally, using local ingredients. And so that you, doing that, that's kind of the, the step one, step two of the, the book. Really easy to understand, open it. You get, you know, whether it's summer, winter, fall, or spring, there's ingredients that are available that you should be using in cooking lionfish or any fish, quite honestly. But lionfish is an invasive species. And guess what? That problem started right here in Miami in the mm-hmm. 80s, you know, about 30 years ago. And so that this lionfish that does not belong in our waters expanded all across Florida, all across the, the Caribbean, and it has taken over all of the reefs. And it's really a major problem. 
because if we, with that, the lionfish, what happens is it matures very young, okay? It matures in a year. It has about 2 million eggs each year, and it has no natural enemy. So these animals grow and eat anything. They eat like 47 times their weight, and they're, you know, it's like for a restaurateur, if you had someone who can eat 47 times their weight, that'd be awesome. <laughs> But, but not, not, not you, Dodge, not Dodge. Not okay. you, Dodge. Not you, Dodge. Thank you. Yeah, he wasn't looking at you, I swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the lion, so lionfish is venomous, and that's really what keeps most people away from it and also keeps most fish away from it. So it has no natural enemy here. But it's really not that hard to clean a, a lionfish or catch them. They're beautiful fish. They're beautiful uh, they're only caught right now by scuba divers. That's why scuba divers know them. And I'm really surprised that not every scuba diver knows that they're edible and that they're delicious. They're white flesh, sweet, briny meat, and they're, they're really good to eat. And so that, that's really what I'm trying to encourage people. They're an ornery little critter. You go down there with your spear gun and they kind of just look at you and say, what? What are you going to do? And what I'm going to do, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to cut off your spines. I'm going to eat you. Um, there's still issues going down to the Keys because if you're in the park and you get caught with a spear gun, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Even if you say, no, I'm just trying to shoot a lionfish because spear guns are an issue down the Keys. You can't bring a spear gun down within a certain amount of miles into the waters. So, But yeah, every time I go down, even if I'm not going to keep them, if they're too small, I'll just shoot them and leave them. Right, But I, I happily kill a lionfish every time I see it. And I have my surgical scissors and I cut off the spines and have a nice little dinner. Exactly. Yeah, well, and, and, and Dodge, remember, it's an invasive species. And my experience with lionfish is uh, when I was a, a yacht chef and I was on mega yachts for many, many years. And they would come back, uh, you know, in that, that handy dandy little PVC, you know, they can put them in mm-hmm. one way, I can't get out. But I'm, I'm right there with Chef Allen. What a tasty product. You know, I would do everything from playing around with a ceviche style to doing almost like a, a, a fish fry for my guys that are on board from New England. And it's a very versatile, and I, I'm with you 100%, delicious fish that the more creative we get with it, the better off it's going to be. So uh, Yeah. yeah. So the, the second point of the, bu- the, the book was also talking about sustainability. Okay, mm-hmm. so that... You know, getting and eliminating invasive species is part of sustainability, but also being conscious and aware of the fish population, sustainable seafood. And, you know, I mean, sustainability is really the, the, the green word of the day. But in our industry, sustainability has a lot of applications, whether how you run your business, how you interact with your customer, mm. uh, how you interact with your purveyors and your suppliers. And also the decisions that you want to have made for your customers. So for me, I, I encourage all restaurateurs to go with sustainable seafood. Really to talk about it, to engage them, to let customers know, because it's sort of like the next step of farm to the table. Farm to table has made a major leap, and, and everybody farm to table, everybody wants to be involved in farm to table because it's cool, it's close, it's local, it's got great ingredients. That's what sustainable seafood needs to be, about wanting to make sure that we have enough seafood in the ocean for our generation, for our kids' generation and their great-great-grandkids, that they have the same fish choices that we have. And so that right now there's a a lot of overfishing going on, unregulated fishing, as well as pollution 
acidic rains, um, red tide, algae bloom. I mean, we've got problems here in Florida alone that we have to really deal with and kind of bring out to the, the forefront because we live not on an island, but we live in a peninsula, but we are surrounded by all this wonderful water. And for some reason, Miami is not known as the seafood capital of the world. I don't know how that doesn't yeah, happen. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really the seafood capital yeah. of the world. I mean, Nathan, how many varieties of fish do we have out there? I mean... You know, you, you see a lot of... Luckily, we st I still see a lot of sharks, but a lot of different groupers, a lot of different types of snappers, um, hogfish. I see a lot of fish. Every time I would go, I would catch a lot of trigger fish, and people consider that a, a junk fish and throw it away. Oh, no. Oh, delicious. no. That's delicious. delicious. That's delicious. Nothing better than uh, yeah, yeah. trigger fish tacos. Like, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we just don't know about it. You don't see it on the menu. We see a lot of salmon on the menu. But, right. yeah, yeah, we but should have Caribbean reef fish on the menu. Right. And right. because that's where we are. That's, <clears> you know, we, when people come here, when you're, you know, in future – what is the food of Florida? It should be the local food. You know, it should be based on who we are and what resources there are they're out there. And that's why sustainable seafood. So what I encourage, actually, uh, the simplicity of the, the encouragement is to know where the fish comes from. First off, as an owner or restaurateur or chef, yeah. to understand that you're putting a sustainable seafood on the menu. And then for the guests to actually recognize that and to encourage guests to ask, do you, we know where the seafood comes from? And that's, that's an important thing. So I think that's, you know, of the upcoming trends that are still going to be there going forward is really watching our environment, taking care of, of our local resources at the same time, you know, that we all rally together somehow to fight against the global warming issue and situation that's going on. But everyone has to do something, you know, and you, you right. can't just sit there and go, woe is me. The, you know, the earth is going to yeah. fall. The sky is falling. That does nothing for you. Get out there and be a part of this. Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that you're talking about that. And I love the fact that that's, a, 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 you know, one of the main drives of your book. As one of my other friends and colleagues used to tell me, you and I stir the same sauce. So uh, when it comes to that stuff, we're all we're, 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 we're on the same page. Right? Amen to that so, brother. Amen. That right? and, and, and my two colleagues may look like they just drink a lot, but they also cook a hell of a lot as well. <laughs> so I'm a recovering so, chef these days. But, uh, yes, they, they, <laughs> both, they both cook awesome and uh, they've, uh, we've shared a kitchen together as well. Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, so. green fig and lionfish is available now on Amazon. Uh, just cause I, I pulled a Nathan Dodge and looked it up right away. Uh, it's on, it's on, it's on prime, which, uh, but it's, there's only 13 copies left, but don't worry, there's more on the way. So uh, I'm sure that's right. It, 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 it's about to be uh, a few less. So uh, that looks great. I'm looking forward to checking that book out, Chef. So, uh, Johnny, let us know when we have some time for some other questions, too, because I'm dying to have learned more about the origination of the Mango Gang. Let me kind of lead into that because yes, yes, I, yes, yes. I had, you know, my first time that I met Chef was, and this dates me back to when I was a student. At, at FIU, and he uh, at that time had had graduated. He was running the best restaurant in all of North Miami, and and perhaps in all of South Florida, uh, Chef Allen's. And and I was just way by the. It was really one of the first restaurants, along with some of the other members of the Mango Gang, that uh, 
Mark Militello there did his Mark's Mark's over Mark's on place. 125th Street. Mark's, Mark's place, place on 125th Street. So so between your place and his, and I lived on 132nd Street, it was wow. a fabulous experience. So Brian and I w- w- would love to hear about how that mango gang and, 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 and you all interacted and any, any story that you care to share on, on, on that. Okay. So the mango gang, let, let's first, uh, Norman yes. Van Aken, uh, Mark Militello, Doug Rodriguez, uh, Robin Haas, who actually Robin yeah. Haas passed away. So our hats off to Robin. We, we sort of, you know, these were the upcoming chefs. These are, these were guys coming into the business. We all just opened our restaurants or, you know, within, uh, within a year or two of each other, really looking at identifying what is Florida cuisine, what is the Miami scene, let's do something. And we kind of realized that though we had the biggest egos, each one of us, <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, and we all tried to get our own message across, we realized that working together on a number of areas that we had a louder voice, that if someone was coming to Miami, that they want to taste Miami. They want to taste a couple different versions of Miami. If locals were coming, they don't eat in one restaurant seven nights a week. They want to eat in three or four different restaurants that they call their regulars. And then they want a couple of out, out restaurants that they can try once in a while. So the need for all of us to succeed was there. I mean, obviously, there was a big competition for who's the best and who's what's mm-hmm. not ever. But we also found a lot of room to work together. Uh, we did a, a lot together. I, I came at it from a point of getting the, the chefs involved in local community feeding, feeding and fighting hunger, working with Feeding South Florida, working with Share Our Strength. In that fashion, each year I did Taste the Nation. Taste the Nation was and still is one of the biggest fundraising for hunger out there. And, you know, so we, we continue to do that. We actually do, do that for about 30 years now, 30 years for Taste wow. the Nation. You know, and we've raised awesome amount of money. FIU has always been a participant uh, with us on that. And actually, I, one of the growths from the Taste the Nation was the South Beach Food and Wine Festival. After we sort of designated the style of the the party and the influence of it, and with Southern Wine's help, very much, uh, you know, great gratitude to them, to, to everything that they, they've done, and, you know, to Wayne Chaplin and his family for Taste of the Nation. And then they launched at FIU. Actually, the first three years of the festival was a FIU event at FIU. And then it got moved out to South Beach. And that's kind of sort of when it uh, took off. Talk about an early Taste of the Nation event that I did. We actually did a Taste of the Nation event down at South Point, South Point Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From around the country. Get this. We had the Dalai Lama there. Oh, you know, wow. The Dalai Lama was Did there. the Dalai Lama give you any any blessings or advice? Oh, uh, he, <laughs> he, he, he had his entourage, but he blessed the, the work of, you know, helping the community and trying awesome. to, to feel less fortunate. So, you know, we had chefs from Hawaii at that event. We had chefs from San Francisco, New York, Texas. 
And that sort of camaraderie is where the forming of the Mango Gang came from. So that year after year, we were doing events. We were also traveling around and doing some different events. We got together and did a couple of events for the American Institute of Wine and Food where Julia Child had, was having her 80th birthday and we all cooked for Julia. Uh, we did oh, a num- wow. number of events like that. So we did a lot of wonderful culinary events and really brought a lot of focus on what's happening here in Miami. So that's really why the Mango Gang sort of brought was bigger than life because there was, we had four or five great chefs that were focused on getting the, the word out and cooking their own style. You know, each of us had our, their own style. My training was classical French. And so I brought a little bit more of a French background to it. I worked in Paris for a year. I worked at the Bristol Hotel. It was an amazing experience living and working there and then coming here to Miami. And yeah, it was a small town. I mean, after living in New York and Paris, then it's Miami. It's like, sure. okay, let's slow it up. <laughs> yeah. Food seems a little different. And so yeah, that's sure where does. I sort of understood that we need to kind of be a little bit more adventuresome, include the tropical fruits, include, you know, things like mango, papaya, guava, passion fruit, include the Latin root vegetables, cassava, calabasa, chayote, yuca, you know, these types of things. And also all the wonderful spices of the Caribbean. Unbelievable, all the influences of the Caribbean that came from all ends of the world. So this is what the New World Cuisine was about, and this is what, you know, where the sort of essence for my version of the, yeah. the Mango Gang cooking was about. Well, it's great to hear that background. And I, and you know, from me being in your restaurant, I always love that experience there. And I haven't had the opportunity to dine there. It was just a pleasure. Cool. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also appreciate your engagement with the university. And I know students have enjoyed you coming back on campus. And, and the university really appreciates that. And guest test lecturing and just being involved. When you speak with students, and, and particularly now, what one or two pieces of advice do you give, would you give students as they're coming uh, into our classes and, and trying to be the future of our industry? Okay. Well, I, I think one of the, the, the major things that uh, for students and students at FIU Hospitality is that you may come in with an idea of what you want to do and think that there's a singular path that you're going to take to get there. Or you may actually think, well, oh, this is a great thing, hospitality, I love to eat, so I'm going to go in the business. Or I love to drink and I'm going to go in the business. Hmm. But I think going into the classes, you really have no idea of what you're going to learn there. And it's amazing the, the quality of the experience with the professors, with their experience, with the people that, that they bring into the classroom, with the experience from uh, interacting with the, the assignments and, and that sort. The learning actually is, is fabulous. And that opportunity, because you really don't know what you're going to need five years after leaving the school. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the amazing thing, because... A lot of the classes that I took at FIU still exist mm-hmm. today. And I, I go like, well, I don't, what do I need that for? Why do I? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I went in wanting to be a chef, you know, and I said, law. Why do I need to take a law class? Accounting. Why do I need to take an accounting class? Uh, marketing. Hey, I just want to be a chef. I want to <laughs> cook, you know. But I'll tell you what, each one of those classes were, when I opened my own restaurant, when I had the goal to do that, 
I looked back in my textbook, looked back at my notes and was thankful that I had kind of absorbed some of it and then had to do more homework in it. But you really don't know. And especially right now, we don't know how the hospitality industry is going to grow from this virus that we have that we're, you know, that we're kind of at a standstill and almost a, a dead stop. But I don't know. I hope that people at home are taking educational courses, are taking just abstract things that, that they're reading and, and reading up on, because that's kind of exploring and being open is the most important thing as a student you, you want to be. You want to be open to opportunity, find something that you like, and follow the path. Don't be afraid to follow the path for a while, but don't shut out everything else around you. Keep absorbing. You're young, there's lots of life to it. And even if you're 85, you're still young and you're taking a class. Right. There's still things to absorb. So that the, you know, the, the look of today's student is not just a high school into college. It's, you know, returning people, it's re returning into education, it's returning into a, trying a new hospitality, trying a new venture or business. And so that th there's really great opportunity to, to get in, involved out there. And, and I think the, the other thing is to be involved uh, as we go forward, whether it's involved in a class, involved in the school, involved in a club that's out there, do something extra. Don't just, you know, trot along. You have to yeah. stand out in this day. And if you, you want to stand out, that means you have to stand up and do it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it, we're starting to see more and more of that on campus. I think Brian and Nathan and, and Chris, Christina have, have been instrumental in creating the Bartenders Guild, which is uh, you know one of the student clubs that's just starting to get a whole lot of attraction and with the experience that we're starting to create on the spirits and with Bacardi, it kind of goes hand in hand. I'm trying to speak with some other students that have actually reached out to me potentially about maybe doing something along the lines of creating a, a food or sustainability or mindful eating, something like that. Uh, I think so, that's awesome. Yeah. So we would look for, you know, so, so continue and expand the engagement and involvement. Right. All right. So, uh, Chef, I got a, a few questions for you. First, I want to say thank you for always being so generous with your time, particularly when we have Cochrane Grants. Remember, we had that international group with you last summer. They absolutely loved yep. you. They took more pictures. And, Dodge, you know the group I'm talking about. Then oh, you, can yeah. you could imagine with Chef Allen. They absolutely loved it. Uh, and then, of course, thank you for your continual support of the South Beach Wooden Fine Festival. It's always fun to see yes. you. Even when I see you just bopping around, walking around, I got to give you a quick high five. Now we'll figure out a new way to social distance on that. But with that <laughs> exactly. being said, though, uh, last week we were talking about the wine. So, I, you know, and I had a question for our guest about what was in her refrigerator Ooh. that she opened last week and that she wasn't able to open. <laughs> but I got to give something a little bit more Chef Allen approach because you are mm -hmm. one of the, uh, the legends of the South Florida culinary scene. And my question for you is that what's that hole in the wall restaurant that we would find you at that we no one would think that you're like, you know, oh, this is where I go to get, because I know you know them. So what is yeah. your favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant? And it could even be a dive bar, because I love dive bars. Yeah, I, actually, that hole-in-the-wall is called Elsie's Roti. Elsie's <laughs> yes, Roti is yes. Uh, over on uh, 441 State Road 7, little Trinidadian restaurant. Rotis are, is a kind of a wrap 
handmade wrap with curries mm-hmm. and doubles and just really spicy. And I, I love going in because Elsie, that's her name, uh, Lucy, but Elsie is the name. You go in and after about going there twice, she'll invite you into her office for a couple of shots and just, she loves people. <laughs> She loves a little combo of a food and the dive bar in the same spot. Exactly. So the dive bar, you know, I go in there and she like all of a sudden she grabs me and chef come in the kitchen, taste this, taste this, come in the office. I'm going to make you some, you know, roti. I'm going to make you some doubles. But first here, here, let's do a couple of shots and then we're going to eat. So, I mean, having warmth and hospitality and genuine honesty is why you want to find a place like that, like a dive yeah. bar, a hole in the wall where there's family, you become part of the family. It's awesome. And I send friends there, I send chefs there, and she takes care of them all the time. So anyone listening to this, if you do go and see Elsie, tell her I sent you, and I'm sure she's going to share her love with you. Uh, oh, that's amazing. I love that. Those are my favorite kind of, you know, the home wall now yeah. hopefully it doesn't get too too popular but i know we have a friend from trinidad dale gomez oh you gotta uh, go oh that, uh-huh. that's amazing so i got one quick little, little follow-up and then i'll throw it over to nathan because i gotta know we gotta watch our time here though uh, and i'm gonna steal this one from uh cbs morning it's one of those shows i don't get a chance to watch oh. all the time but chef you know if, if you could cook for uh anyone uh past or present who would that person be i love that question so who would it be past or present who would you love to cook for Okay, well, I've cooked for a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. You know, Paul Bacuse, just a hero for me. I mean, he was coming of age as I was entering and entering the the field. And his world of being French, of being nouveau, of being, you know, fabulous. And I'd love to cook for Paul Bacuse. He understood ingredients. He understood flavors. And it would be an honor to have him there and kind of look over my shoulder to what's going on. Amen to that. You just, just reminded me, I had the opportunity to work with uh, Roger Verger uh, and right. cook for Roger Verger and spend time with him. And he was another one of those living legends. And you know, right. all, the, all those guys hung out from uh, Roger Verger, Paul Bocou, Jacques Pepin. They all used to hang out and you know the mischief they would get into too. Uh, you know, all of them. Just, just that was the, what was that? The, the um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would we call that? The uh, um, better to left unsolved. <laughs> the Sabayon gang. Uh, I don't know. There you go. Good. Yeah. Nathan, Nathan Dodge. Any questions from you? Because I know you're itching at your newly bald head. I am itching at my newly bald head. Uh, so I've got a mango tree, and you are the mango man for the mango gang. So, and they're they're not like the big purple green ones you see. These are. Really tiny, probably if you put like two golf balls together, about that size, bright yellow, great flavor. I, I put a picture up on Facebook. You said mix it with rum. So I cut them up and I, I put them in a blender, put some rum on there, some frozen strawberries, whipped it up. And I will tell you, it was a delicious cocktail, but it was like drinking fiberglass. So what did I do wrong? Why was there so many hairs in this thing? Well, certain, certain mangoes have a lot of fiber. It sounds like you either had like a Toledo or a number 11, which is a Caribbean or Cuban mango, small, round, beautiful, delicious. So with a mango like that, what you need to do, like I said, you know, I used to do a 25 pound mango mojito. Okay. So 25 pounds of mangoes 
into a big jar, gallon of rum, lead set for seven days. Okay, then strain oh, wow. the mango, and so that that all that mango juice and flavor goes into the the rum, and then use the rum as a quite honest to goodness flavor. Then, if you're going to use fresh mango, you have to use one that's not fibrous. Okay. okay, so maybe the tree next to your yard, down the block at your neighbor, you have other mangoes because I have like ten different mango trees in my back in my in my backyard neighborhood, uh, and it's wonderful. And so, kind of using that. Actually, on my Instagram, each week I've been doing an Instagram story, an Instagram of a different mango recipe. I did one for Mother's Day just a couple of days ago with a, a mango and chocolate kiss as well as uh, a couple other recipes. So some simple, fresh mango recipes are, are there to, to watch on my Instagram. You should follow me at Chef Alan Susser. Always having a lot of fun. You'll get to see St. Lucia. you get to see our chocolate. I'm going to go into a run of chocolate things soon. And of course, uh, just having fun out there. But Stay with the mangoes. It's, we're, com- right. we're only coming well, into season. I'll tell you. Well, now that. is the season. Yep. Now is the season. Yeah. So, Dodge, yeah, Dodge, you have now to, a challenge to do a fifty-pound mango mojito with two <laughs> gallons yeah, and, of rum. So, all right. And, uh, me up a couple bottle, a couple handles of Bacardi uh, Silver. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Superior. And, superior. Yeah. I heard the donation. Yeah, I, I think so. Don't and worry, you can have yeah. some extra hands helping. You barbecue that while you serve us the drinks. I will be happy to help out. Love it, love it, love it. Good. Well, gang, we're getting the high side to wrap up a little bit here. But Chef Allen, what an absolute pleasure. Always oh, fun to see you. My pleasure. Pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. Cool. All right, Gentlemen, any uh, closing comments on this beautiful South Florida day? Now, everyone have a great start to their summer semester. We'll look forward to connecting with you moving forward. Perfect. Right. You guys, And as we said earlier, keep an eye out for Bacardi Teaches coming back around. Chef Allen's uh, new book, which is going to be Green Fig and Lionfish, available now on Amazon. Uh, I know that's Check that be out on my, on my list uh, right now. Actually, I see it on there. It's in my inbox, which is fantastic. Uh, so all good on that. Chef Allen, any closing words of wisdom, sir? You guys are great. Thank you for being here and doing this and getting the word out about uh, our industry. Great job. Thank you. You got it. Thank, Thank you, you chef. for having us. You Thank got you, it. Chef. Thank All you right, for being such a committed partner. Yep. Until right. next time, everyone be safe and remember to wash your hands. All right. Yes. Peace out. Adios. Adios.